Hello everyone, good afternoon. Welcome, welcome to the chat show where we talk about empathy, employment, and innovation every Wednesday at two o'clock and um, with, with the leaders, global leaders from the staffing industry and disability community. Today, my guest is James. He's a partner uh, at Hirewell and co-founder at Careerwell. As these names uh, suggest, he helps company hire well, and at the same time, <laughs> he also helps job seekers find careers where they can work well. I love your branding. I love it. <laughs> it's, uh, this is so cool. And I know you guys do some amazing work in connecting companies and job seekers. So welcome, welcome to the chat. And thank Thanks. you for joining today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So James, I know you, you know, uh, you, you have been uh, you're passionate, you are, a pas you are passionate about content and today's topic is uh, overcoming barriers with, with content. And as we all know, content is, is cash now, right? It's, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a very valuable um, uh, uh, asset uh, with whatever we do in our staffing world. Uh, either on the hiring uh, side, from the, the employer side, as well as the, the candidate side. So tell me uh, a little bit about, you know, your passion and why it is important uh, with what we do and what you do at Hirewell. So I, I've been with Hirewell for 16 years. I was, uh, just to give you my a little bit of my background, it kind of leads into this answering your yeah. question. I yeah. was a tech recruiter for about 10 um, then in 2015 or so, um, myself and one of my colleagues, we built out our digital marketing recruiting division. And so we started talking to marketers day in, day out, nonstop. Um, and that was a weird point in time where um, uh, digital is an area that like in content being part of digital kind of leading into that. Um, you know, it's, it's been around for a lot with like e-commerce firms and like the biggest brands. But it wasn't until that time frame where um, really all started companies all types of companies started using it, you know, so your B2B brands or like companies you never heard of, you know, and that's when we kind of realized that why aren't we doing something in this space? Like maybe there's some opportunity here. And, you know, when we started, um, when we started kind of playing around with it, it took us a while to get to where we are now and we're still going to continue evolving. But you realize that um, you can know when something makes an impact. Like one, I think that um, not relying strictly for your BD efforts on a sales outbound methodology, because frankly, everyone's sick of salespeople reaching out to them, right? Mm -hmm. um, but just having a, a more of a focus that's kind of on brand and a focus on content, it gives you an opportunity to build relationships with people on their own terms. Mm -hmm. It gives you an opportunity to build goodwill. It gives you an opportunity to um, provide people with valuable insights that they wouldn't have otherwise. And therefore, they start coming to you whenever they need advice or help with things. And it's just more of a, instead of being pushy, it's more of a pull type, you know, kind of methodology, but it's also just fun, you know, like there's a lot of times that um, a lot of, and I can get into this too, but like how like content ideas come from really comes down to helping people out with their problems and then just talking about it, you know, because mm -hmm. like if someone has an issue or a question, someone else is going to have the same issue or question, you know, so you can kind of provide a lot of value across the board. And I don't know, once you, once you start doing it, once you start people responding well to it, you know, you kick yourself for not starting and doing it earlier. So. Yeah, and I think, you know, and that is that is great that, you know, how you early started and now everybody is following during this pandemic for the last 12 months, uh, if we can type companies, including us, you know, we were we were not doing this this type of uh, uh, conversation online. Um, and uh, 
this is something has changed. What are your thoughts in this same space, in, in this the work we do, you do with the content uh, development and delivery of this? How the technology, what are your thoughts on how technology has played game, uh, played a role um, in this area in these recent years? Yeah, well, I think I think it's part technology, but part what people are accustomed to. So I think that, um, let's say we're talking over video right now, right? So mm -hmm. obviously video is cheaper, more efficient, like the the platform you're using now, StreamYard, probably didn't exist five years ago. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are just more affordable and easier to access now. But I think there was also a perception years ago that if you did content and you want to do video, you had to have like super high-end production. You had to have, you know, everything had to be like super professional. You're going to be spending thousands of dollars just to make one like one minute video. But I think during the pandemic, people realized that like, it's really just about the message. You know, you can do things that are a little more lo-fi that are a lot cheaper, but as long as you're providing valuable content, like nobody cares because that's what everyone cares about. So it really, it, I think people got more used to like talking on Zoom, you know? So a year ago, just like trying to get people to like in, my, in everyday business to have a call, they'd still want to do a phone call. They thought like being on video was kind of weird. People are just more comfortable with it now. So even getting guests on podcasts, even getting um, and whatnot or in, in the way that people consume content, they're just more accustomed to it. It's just more normal, I think, now than it was a year ago. So it's just, it definitely, um, and then, and you're right, from like a technology standpoint, um, there's a lot of things that have come up in the past year that just make things more affordable. There's a lot more video editing software that's more easier to use and stuff like that. So I don't know, I think that um, yeah. it's it's been good. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So talking about the content uh, development and the impact, uh, what are the biggest challenges for content folks or experts like you and others who wants to really make a, a meaningful impact uh, in the recruitment or, or staffing industry? What are what are certain challenges now? As you know, one, one of the challenges I know that content has very small life, right? So, and it's about mm -hmm. the speed and the, some of those things, but what are the other insights and your own experience in this space? What are those challenges? The biggest challenge bar none is just coming up with things to talk about. And yeah. I think this is the main reason why people try it, then they forget about it is because you know, they just didn't, couldn't come up with enough ideas. And I, I think part of that comes from everyone thinks, okay, I need to think up a bunch of stuff to tell people. And it's just hard to do. But also, I, I don't think it's very valuable when you do it that way, because that's why a lot of some content you do see, it seems like someone's talking at you, or they're talking about stuff that doesn't seem that relevant. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's a really simple trick. You talk to your, you talk to job seekers, you talk to your clients, you talk to companies that are hiring, whoever your stakeholders mm -hmm. are, you ask, find out what questions they have, what mm -hmm. questions come up during everyday conversations. And the answers to those questions are your content. So you can really rely on your everyday conversations and the business you go about. And when people start asking you things like write those ideas down, track them because someone else has the exact same question, you know, and it's same with coworkers. You know what I mean? If you've got someone at your company that has a question about something, they don't quite understand something yet. Also great content. So, um, I think that's so the biggest challenge is that and you know, it's it's easier to overcome than people realize it just kind of comes down to understanding that you have a lot more knowledge in your head than you realize that people want to know. And that's a great way of kind of pulling it out. Um, I would also say the, the second biggest challenge and I kind of touched on it inadvertently there 
is it takes a little while before you start to see the effectiveness of it. Um, it's not, you're, you're probably not going to see, make a big impact in the first month or first two months or, you know what I mean? It's, it might take a little while, but, um, I think for us, it was probably six months before all of a sudden we started to see some, um, you know, business kind of coming in. But the thing is, once it does, it's more of like a sloped upward curve where it kind of snowballs, you know? So I think some people get discouraged because, you know, they think after the first, month or two, like, oh, this is a waste of time not seeing anything. But I mean, I'm, I'm saying this from personal experience and everyone else I've talked to is that if you stick with it and believe it's going to work and you just have to give it a little more time than I think a lot of people are comfortable with. But once you do, then you realized it was well worth it. So I love it. Love it. So these are the two core uh, challenges you you shared with us is one is it's not easy. It's time consuming. Uh, it takes time. And then it's uh, the the impact and the result is not immediate. It takes time. So that patience and nurturing and that continued efforts are very important. Um, so thank you for sharing. So now with these challenges, I know you are working with some amazing team. Uh, so how, how do you motivate? How do you motivate your team? Uh, because as you shared, you know, it's not easy with some of the some of the work you do. So share a little bit of yeah, you know, yeah. this innovative. Yeah. Knowledge. So I think across the organization, and this doesn't just relate to content, like I think that you have to give people a sense of ownership, you know. And I'm since I've been on the content side of it, since I've been kind of I've been driving it, I'm probably the most visible, but I don't necessarily want to be. Like I want everyone else at the company to get more involved and to get their face out there and to be just as involved as I am. And that's kind of what we've been kind of slowly pushing people towards. Um, but in terms of overall motivation, so along that line, um, we, we believe that just kind of empowering employees to have a voice and have some decision-making process and taking ownership of whatever these kind of various areas are is important. So one being the content area, like we have a whole committee, don't have to be on it. If you want to be on it, that's cool. Um, but everyone kind of brainstorms together. We talk about, we had a meeting today where we talk about, okay, what are our clients talking about? What are job seekers talking about? What things are relevant that are happening in the market right now? Does anyone want to pair up with a teammate and put together some content, whether it be a video or a blog about it? And, you know, they get carte blanche to kind of create the message and, and do what they want to and kind of put things together, which is, I think, great. Um, but we do the same things in other areas, too. Like we have a, a DEI committee that does the same thing. So we can you know talk about that a bit. But um, so that's all very much employee led. You know what? What it's not coming down from the top, you know, saying here's what we should be doing in DEI, but like asking everyone else, like, guys, what do you think? Um, uh, what's everyone's opinion on what we should be kind of taking up and, and, and kind of focusing on charity events that we do, philanthropic stuff, same thing. Like, I just think that um, by getting, uh, by, by letting your employees take charge and letting me be kind of a team effort, it's it's more of a motivating factor across the board. Yeah. Now, any, any particular example, I remember last time when we spoke, you shared some of the great activities you do, how you engage some of the the team members or particular department any any uh, if you don't have it we can move on but i remember something i don't remember exactly what you mentioned i'm trying to remember um. <laughs> <laughs> all, all good all good so so as we have all learned now that you know it, it's it's a lot of efforts um and uh, so in terms of value creation right once the content mm -hmm. is created um 
it in content creation is less about marketing and i know that's your philosophy it's not about self promotion you mentioned that that you know it's not about me it's about the company and i want others to get involved so mm-hmm. and, and um, uh so what do you think of you know and more about providing insights and helpful information to your customers so tell us a little bit more about that so, you know what is that ultimate goal sure. um, yeah and purpose of the content Sure, sure. So what was interesting, I guess there's a couple things here. Um, One is that, I guess I'll kind of directly answer the the first part of your question. I believe that the point of content creation for brand building is just building goodwill. It's making people, you want people to think of you as the person they can turn to when they actually need help with something. They may never need help with something. You don't know if they ever will or not. And that's not the important thing. But you just have to know that, um, and when I define providing value, my own kind of definition is by um, teaching someone something or helping them come across some understanding of something they just didn't know before. Um, And if you can do that with content, um, then if you can give someone an aha moment or answer their question or help solve their problem, you know, it's, that's makes a bigger impact in terms of their, you're going to be the person they remember, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that by taking that kind of approach, and we do this with the job seeker side, helping people with like career-related questions and career-related content, company side, helping you know companies that in recruiting is a really complex space. A lot of people don't understand it. A lot of CEOs have no idea like how difficult it is to hire people. But by helping them kind of understand some of these problems and issues and why maybe they're not having the success they should be having, you're going to be the person they kind of turn to. Um, and we've seen it, it, it makes a huge impact in a few areas. So like when we started out, we didn't know where this was going, right? Like you just, it was kind of an experiment and we were hoping it would get us some inbound business, some net new clients, which it did. But the two areas that it perhaps worked even better with was one, um, existing people, existing contacts, we know referring us business, like you don't have to be staying in touch with every single person you know and hounding them every month just to like stay top of mind when they see your content out there like they just remember you better mm-hmm. so we saw a big uptick in kind of referral business and an existing contacts people already know getting back in touch at a higher rate um but the other big thing is just hiring like our own internal hiring um it helped our own employer brand like people you know we're in an industry where not many people do content and our our method in doing it is just being real showing our personality. And I think it resonates a lot because um, we're an industry where a lot where being yourself is not, you know, you're supposed to like stick to the script and stick to the company line and whatnot, a lot of these organizations. And when people kind of see what we do and that we want people to be themselves and just have fun with it, like that resonates. So. Oh, that that's, that's really cool. And, and as you know, uh, we, we have very similar, uh, philosophy at Rangam also and strategy. And that's how we really got connected. Yeah, well, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for the, the opportunity to participate last week uh, in your uh, DNI, uh, one of the sessions. It was, it was great fun, a lot of great conversation. And you guys have been, you guys have been doing just amazing work. So thank you for doing that and spreading that awareness and sharing your knowledge and expertise, right? And that's, uh, yeah um that that's it so let's change the gears on on, on the you know uh, innovation side and and during the last uh, few quarters um we all faced some of those challenges during this pandemic uh you know when it hit in for second quarter of last year um 
how was how was your journey uh, during this and what are the unique things which you can say you know you guys have done so amazing yeah so um I, I make no bones about it last march of 2020 was a really scary time yeah. um like no one was hiring at all because mm -hmm. no one knew how bad this was going to be right and it's it's bad obviously but um march and april last year like hiring was at a complete standstill companies that had money that were doing fine shut down their hiring because no one wanted to do anything and when your entire business is based upon placing people at companies like your revenue dries up real fast um so the first thing we did was actually we, we've we've always wanted to get more directly involved in the other side of the market which is like the job seeker side so like a lot of people don't even realize this but like as a recruiter your your clients are companies. Companies pay you to help find people to hire. You know, mm -hmm. um, you're not actually working for job seekers, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? So we've always wanted to like create some sort of service where we could kind of you know help benefit job seekers more directly. Um, so we developed CareerWell, and the whole methodology with CareerWell was, and this was kind of a fun project to like as we went along. We did about 150 free career coaching sessions for people in those first two to three months of the pandemic. Um, and it was really just kind of getting to know people and understand what they were struggling with, what parts of job search, you know, they were, where the gaps were, uh, why they weren't having success. And we found that, um, most people have 80% of it. Most people had, you know, most people, they know what they're doing. They know their skill, they know their craft, but people aren't professional job seekers. You know, no mm -hmm. one looks for a job every day. So it's like, how can you possibly be that good at it if you haven't looked for a job in five years or 10 years? But so realizing that, you know, they just needed most people just needed a few tweaks and a few things kind of fine tuned. And all of a sudden, like they had way more activity in terms of having success and whatnot. So um, we so did a bunch of free sessions, put our heads together, had a bunch of notes in terms of, OK, what are the trends we're seeing and whatnot? So we put together kind of a core curriculum. Um, so uh, that, that's we at first we were thinking about like, you know, charging for it, but we, the, the core curriculum is still for free. Um, on careerwell.io so anyone can go out there and check it out um, and then we are doing some kind of you know besides like kind of the, the content-based stuff we also have a lot of stuff we're able to do kind of one-to-one -one coaching sessions and stuff like that um, we've rolled that things the other thing I have to say though is things definitely kind of evolved a bit though in the market because by September things were back to like firing in all cylinders in our traditional business on the higher well side so we had to come we had to figure out okay how are we gonna manage kind of this new career well business and the higher well business um, what we're doing with CareerWell now is we actually have some like larger strategic partnerships with, you know, kind of um, Code Platoon, which is a Chicago based veteran focused um, got coding camp type place and also city colleges where we're doing some work with helping their graduates um, become better job seekers, helping them kind of with those types of things. That's kind of where we are with CareerWell at this point. So it was, you know, it's just when when uh, when things go haywire, you have to adjust and you have to find ways that, um, to, to make things work. And we were fortunate that our core business bounced back really fast. And this currently this last quarter Q 2021 was actually our biggest quarter ever. Um, but kind of oh, in the meantime, yeah. So it's been, it's, it's insane. Like the, the, how things got back up, but, um, it was at the same time too, it was, it was fun to like learn so much about the job seeker side of the business and help people out kind of along the way. So. Yeah, and that is truly uh, the way I see it's a truly innovative idea and something which, you know, uh, was not done by your organization or I don't know if there are any any other models like this exist. But now my question to you is 
that was really true innovative idea during very difficult time when when you and your organization was challenged to figure out maybe other alternate products and services which you mm -hmm. guys did great and now what is next what what are your thoughts uh, post pandemic what is going to happen to this some of this great innovation uh, you guys have done and we have done and i'm pretty sure every organization has come up so as a as a leader uh, how do you how do you see that and how do you try to keep it balanced so that we don't miss out those amazing opportunity possibility of the um, you know future opportunities yeah so um I think that the future of recruiting is, I, I think things are already kind of changing and even probably were before the pandemic. I think that um, companies expect more now. And I, and I think it's also good for recruiting firms. I think that the, I don't know how granular you want to get with this, but mm -hmm. I think the contingent model, which is what most people are familiar with, I think it's, it's going to die out someday. Um, I think it's bad for recruiting firms for a variety of reasons. You know, you're working with companies that aren't really bought into what you're doing, but also, um, it's your ultimately your your most of your job is sourcing candidates. There is more to it than that, but you're not always viewed as that kind of integral partner. Meanwhile, a lot of these organizations you're working with, they still have they still have tons of work on the back end they have to do, right? They still have to like manage their ATS, manage like job postings, set up these interviews, all these offers, and all that. And I think there's an incredible opportunity for recruiting firms to provide a more full scale service, which is one of the things we've actually been doing for a few years now, where we're able to kind of take over a lot of that internal aspect for our clients, especially when they're going through like fast growth, just make their lives truly easier by managing more of the process. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of business model innovation that's going to be coming to the recruiting industry. Um, some of it might be tech enabled, you know, like um, I'll be curious to see where things go with um, uh, AI sourcing tools. And I, I, I hesitate to say AI because I don't know how much stuff is really AI versus marketing collateral yeah. AI. But yeah. um, I'll be curious to see, like, you know, if you look at where like LinkedIn is now and kind of the intelligence it has, like 15 years ago, you know, there was the way you can source candidates now is crazy. But I think we're still at the tip of the iceberg in terms of how you can integrate those things with the company's ATS systems to make things more seamless. And um, and that's not to say there's always a technology fix to every single recruiting problem, because I think people have been saying that for 20 years and it's everyone still has a bad experience when they're trying to interview for jobs. But um, I think there's I, I, I do think the industry is going to slowly be disrupted over the next five to 10 years with at least on the, the business model side of the recruiting business. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you see the content and this content development, which you have been uh, doing amazing? How, how is that going to play a role or is playing role in that whole transformation? So there's a couple things here. One, I think that companies can do a much better job of um, articulating their message and their value to job seekers. Mm -hmm. I still feel like um, job seekers, it's very much a black box. They don't really know what they're getting into. And a lot of the basic questions like, What's your company really about? Do you value DNI? Um, what's your growth plan? Like, there's so many things that job seekers ask in the interview process that could easily be addressed on the front end through content. Mm. Most companies don't do it though. You know, mm. you could have a whole video series answering a lot of these types of things. You could have one to one, or you could have kind of interactive conversations like you and I are having. Like, I think that heads of talent acquisition should be having kind of Q and A's with every manager they have who's hiring 
and post those online somewhere so people who are interviewing those companies can kind of see who they're working for before they even apply there. No one's really doing this yet, but it's as, as you can say right now, like what we're doing, this isn't expensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just takes a little bit of time and effort. I think that's another thing too. I think just allowing people to be a little more connected in the early phase of the interview process. And I think that'll save companies time too, because I think they'll, it'll do a better job of kind of filtering out people who maybe aren't the best fit by their own criteria. You know, people who interview with you, then realize that are interested in you. They could have figured that out without taking up all your time if you just gave them more information on the front end. So I think that's going to happen. Um, I think, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I, I think that no, like- so that, that is one of the question I wanted to ask that yeah. how do you see the future, right? And that is, this is, that's what, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, seeking for and, and, and trying to learn mm -hmm. from you. How, where is this going and how we can leverage this and how this whole digital world and staffing industry can, is, is, is evolving. So please continue, sorry. Yeah, so um, I think in general, um, I believe that there will be more community-based um, platforms as opposed to like um, influencer audience platforms. So um, when you look at most models right now, it's very much like big influencers talking has a bunch of fans, right? But I heard someone talk about this once, what the reason why TikTok is catching on is because it's a little bit more gamified. Like the culture there is different where someone does a dance, someone copies that dance, like it becomes kind of a community-based participation type thing. Mm -hmm. And you could say the same thing about like why online gaming is catching on and things, like people wanna be more active and involved, but breaking it down to kind of this level and what you're talking about, like, I, I started a Slack community of content creators just, and I invite mm -hmm. anybody who wants to be in it just so we can all talk on even ground about what we think is working. You know, it's not like my community where I'm talking at people. It's, it's our community where anyone's allowed to kind of participate and bounce ideas off each other. So um, I do think that that's, that's one, I, I think in general, that's a trend we're going to see is um, platforms that are more community involvement versus like speaker listener. Um, what those platforms be, I don't know. Like, um, there's some of these audio apps are interesting, you know, clubhouse and whatnot. Um, I know those aren't entirely kind of community based, but you know, the, the way that, um, the way that those things are going to be set up, I think that could be an interesting thing, but giving people the ability to have more of a voice and making conversation more two-sided is where I think a lot of things will go in general. Yeah. Now you mentioned something about, um, just imagine and just hit me that uh, that that idea or a concept that hiring managers can or, or the uh, talent acquisition can have all the hiring managers that put some kind of a video content on some. What are your thoughts on? And as you know, some of the companies, a lot of uh, uh, legal restrictions uh, are playing a role in, in, in certain areas. Any thoughts on how that will evolve as, as we as we go in that direction. When you say legal restriction, do you mean like, um, I'm trying to think my experience, uh, pharma or finance or places that are regulated or, you know, yeah. okay. Any messaging if the hiring managers putting, like in the job description, we, we know that certain organizations, they will not put certain uh, information about their product or some innovation, things like that. How can companies like restrict and control that and manage that risk? of getting yeah. that exposure. I'm just thinking loud. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think too much. I mean, you can edit videos like you can edit a job description, you know. So right. I think that there there could be some level of okay, we need to run this past somebody before we release it, you know. Which is why maybe some organizations will never go completely live like we're going here. But um, I don't think that it's it's just a different medium, you know. I, I think the more important thing is when you're, the the reason why I think video is so powerful is because. Um, so much gets lost in context when it's just written, you know, when it's like a social media post or an email or whatever, like you don't, all the nonverbal cues, the tone, the way people, you, you can't always kind of gauge their intent by it versus if you, um, if you can see someone and hear someone in their own words, you just get a better feeling that this is a real person, you know, has these opinions, or maybe you get their context a little better, get their gist. And I think that's really where the value is. Um, and why I think things are going to go down more that route and why hiring managers should be putting themselves out there more to attract people because you're going to be more likely to want to apply to a job if you can see that so-and-so is an interesting person, you know? So, but to your point, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, you bring up a good point because the ri that risk is why a lot of companies aren't doing it, but I think it's kind of a BS reason because I think it's a bit of a cop-out. It's because it's no different than, editing a video if someone says something dumb off the cuff is no harder than changing the job description because you wrote the wrong thing so that's right and, and the and, and the, the job description is anyways getting reviewed and approved and then getting posted the same process can be followed but you made a very important point because then now hiring manager is putting this job description and explaining this versus mm -hmm. somebody reading the job description I, I I can't wait to see that 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 uh, world of of staffing and and I'm pretty sure it will happen. So thank you for sharing that that uh, the futuristic uh, a view of you know how the staffing industry goes. We'll hey, see if I'm right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I'm pretty sure. Yes, you are. Uh, uh, and this is it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. And the way I see is that it's just a matter of time because uh, the systems needs to be built and and then system will get mature once those systems are built and enhanced to manage this type of digital content. Yes, that is mm. absolutely possible uh, because our current systems are driven to review the, the job description in a written form. It's just a matter of it's a different approach. Yes, there will be a little bit of extra work. But remember, one of the things which we always talk about this AI and machine learning, what is it's going to bring into certain efficiencies. We're going to save some time and why not to leverage some of that time to make all of our interaction mm -hmm. very personalized, which you, which you as a content developer, you've been doing amazing, very personalized content development. So uh, before we conclude, if you can just share some of your other other chat shows or any any uh, of your um, uh, you know uh, programs which you are doing, I know you are doing some of basic. Would like to share with the audience who can come and join your your some of those uh, programs and live conversations. Sure. So um, every Wednesday I'm doing a live show. So it just uh, it kind of alternates weeks though. So I have I have two shows that are the primary things that I do. One is called the Ten Minute Talent Rant which is exactly what it sounds like. It's exactly 10 minutes long. It's myself and my colleague, Jeff Smith. We pick out an issue of something that's broken in hiring or recruiting, and we just complain about it for eight minutes. Then we pitch a solution for two minutes. It's a lot of fun. Um, so if you follow me on LinkedIn, that's always 11 o'clock central time. Um, I always have a link of like where you can add it to your calendar and whatnot. Um, but the other one I do is called Employer Content Show. So it's myself and my friend, Nate Guja, 
he works for a different company called Before You Apply. So he's actually an employer brand expert. So he and I kind of work in um, non-competing spaces, like complementary spaces. So, but we talk about content creation as it relates to companies. So whether it's hiring other initiatives and whatnot and how you can kind of get better at it. And we're always kind of spitballing ideas. So that's every other Wednesday opposite when I do that, when I'm not doing a 10 minute talent rant, I'm doing a player content show. It's usually like two o'clock in the afternoon central time. So, um, so yeah, those are kind of the two primary things. And then um, Hirewall has a bunch of other things. So every every Wednesday, my colleagues, Ryan and Emily, Ryan Brown, Emily Gore, they do our Hirewall update show where they talk about a lot of the new jobs we're working on, um, as well as they profile someone internally at the company. It's kind of our morning show that's once a week. If you follow the Hirewell LinkedIn account, um, you'll get the notifications there. And then we're actually launching two uh, new shows. One, you were a guest on last week. So our DEI speaker series. So it's going to be a new probably monthly show where we uh, have different experts in the diversity, equity, inclusion space from all different areas around the country kind of coming together and having panel discussions on very kind of relevant topics. So that's a it's it would be really impactful. Um, and then my I have a colleague, Zach uh, Collop, who's one of our executives on the tech side. He's starting a new show called Tech Leaders Hiring Well. You like the pun of hire well in there. Um, he uh, <laughs> He's so he's gonna be profiling and talking to leaders within tech about their hiring. So anybody who I think could be relevant towards other tech hiring managers who want to hear how other people do it, as well mm -hmm. as anybody who's interviewing for tech jobs, here's what hiring managers want to see and want to look for. So you are a busy, busy man. Oh my yeah. god, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and I I hundred percent agree with you. That it's it's lot it's lot of it's it's a big commitment, a lot mm -hmm. of work, uh, because that's how you have been creating quality content. Um, but before we conclude, um, would you like to share some? You know, as you know, my the whole theme of this this conversation is empathy, and and mm -hmm. I know you, you your organization. And when we talk about employment, empathy is is the base, and we all know so. Tell me if you have any story, anything which you would like to share, um, you know, empathetic uh, incidents or a story which you have experienced in last uh, few quarters. Um, I have to say, going back to the career well stuff, um, it really it it made an impact on on me personally because um, talking to some people who you could tell they had the skills and they know what they're doing but they still weren't having any success in their jobs and um, helping them just because again, like we aren't charging for any of that, you know, but just helping them fine tune a couple things here and there. And then finding out a month or two later, like they found something, you know, or they all of a sudden they started getting a lot more, more offers and whatnot. Like um, you realize that um, everyone's always a little closer to being successful than they think, you know, you have a, you might have situations where you think like this is insurmountable and you keep running into a brick wall, but you know, you were so close and it's just, it's kind of a cool area. Like this is, this is what I've spent my life on. Apparently I never like, I, I didn't, I didn't, when I was a kid, I didn't think I was gonna be a recruiter, you know, that wasn't like my life goal, but you know, you realize that, um, that you, 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 I've developed and all recruiters have developed a skill set and the things that you know, can help others. And, you know, you have the ability to make an impact because there's nothing more impactful in other people besides 
their ability to learn a livelihood, right? So, and earn a living. So if you can make that, um, if people remember you for that, you know, and then they'll pay it forward. So my, my, my parting advice to anyone out there, even short of just short of going in all in and creating content, and doing a mass scale is that if you are a recruiter, you have the ability to help people out big time, even when it doesn't immediately affect you in the pocketbook, but things will come around. Like those people that you help someday, they'll help you and the world goes around. So absolutely absolutely that's so true that's so true and and uh, james we are fortunate that we are able to uh, also celebrate the small small success right that's a, that's a beauty of this profession every placement we make we can yeah. ring the bell and say yes we we have helped we helped somebody so thank you so much for doing some amazing work as a great leader and a great innovator great content developer really helping the the job seekers and and the employers and really making that connection spreading the awareness spreading your knowledge and expertise so i i i would like to thank you for all your time uh, and joining us today in this great conversation and wishing you and your family all the best happy and healthy uh April month, which is April is Autism Awareness Month. And we at Rangam, we celebrate uh, autism inclusion uh, or autism acceptance month. So uh, we would like to share that with you and your, your team. And, and thank you for the opportunity to come and talk about D&I last week. It was a great conversation. And thank you for doing that. Um, any last thought before we conclude? No, I think I'm all talked out. I think you've got the best. You got my, me on my best today. So I just appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We will continue this conversation on empathy, employment, and innovation every Wednesday, same time, same place. Uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you so much. Thanks, James. Bye-bye.